0: Welcome to the podcast, Bringing Truth to Life, where we talk about what the Scriptures say that can help you get unstuck from the thorny issues of life and encourage you to live the life you've been wanting to live with Christ. Our speaker today is Henry Clay. We are in a series called Drawing Near to the Throne of Grace on deepening your prayer life. May this be helpful to you, and may it also give you truth to share with those you seek to encourage. Drawing near to the throne of grace, we're in week number four, and the title of what we're going to talk about tonight, as you see there, is the prayer, the beauty of his face. We're going to talk about the prayer of praise. The prayer of praise. Everybody loves love. That's always a popular topic. And I think in life, you, we start off valuing stuff. I, I remember as a, uh, I guess I was 14 or 15 and I was building a treehouse and I realized that before I was only interested in the toy section in the Sears catalog. But now that I was building a treehouse, I was interested in carpet, paneling, uh, siding, all of these interests because I was decorating my whole treehouse. I never even got the thing built. But uh, I was attracted to all this stuff. And I think if I just had more money, I could get more stuff. And I think that as you, as you move along through the decades, and you, you've gotten more and more stuff and you're not quite as, the, the glitter of it's somewhat gone. Uh, it takes a lot of time to keep up with the stuff and the stuff breaks and all of these different things. And as, as you move through the decades, you begin to transition over where you more and more value relationships. And you realize it's a whole lot more important than stuff. And frankly, it's, it's more difficult to have really good relationships than it is to have really good stuff. But relationships potentially can last forever and stuff won't. Now, among relationships, there's one type of relationship that's particularly attractive and that's the romantic relationship. And one of the things that happens, sometimes a relationship starts off just as a relationship, and then at some point, for one or both, it kind of flips over to a romantic relationship and one of the one of the ways you know that's happened is all of a sudden there's this increased interest in who is this person and I've got this neat verse from Song of Solomon where the, the girl says, Tell me, O oh, you whom my soul loves, where do you pasture your flock? <laughs> oh, where do you make it lie down at noon? Do you think she needed to buy a lamb for the sacrifice? Not on your life. She, all of a sudden, anything related to this guy, she happens to be very curious about. And when Wendy uh, and I started dating, uh, I, I kept a journal in my little day timer. We averaged over a seven-week period talking three hours a day. Now before that ever happens, you think what what do these people talk about all the time? Once it happens to you, I mean it's just endless, the things to talk about. And what you're interested in is that person themselves. And this is something, somehow, we often have missed out on in our Christian life. In the way we relate to God. In our interest in who, who is He? Where does He pasture His flock? I wonder what he's thinking about today. I wonder how his day went. I wonder what would make him smile and what would make him frown. Tell me, O you whom my soul loves, where do you pasture your flock? Now last week we talked a little bit about this ellipse, a, an attempt to just say a few things about prayer. Not you never going to say everything, but just to break it down into two main activities and I don't draw it this way to say you should keep track of how long you had been praise and then do the same amount in petition it could be anything but these are two of the big items on the plate when it comes to your own prayer life and confession as the Lord brings it up but for most people they don't have a you know 20 minute time of confession uh, maybe we should but uh, There's so many things that the Lord just has to show you, and when He shows you and you feel bad about it, then you go ahead and have a prayer of confession. But I don't know of too many people that have a real focus on confession, but it's just as needed. And Thanksgiving sort of covers it all. When you're praising God, so many times you're thanking Him. And also as you make your request known, it's also with Thanksgiving, so that sort of covers it all. So I'm really going to focus mostly on prayer and petition. This week we're going to talk about how to grow in the area of praise in your own personal uh, time with the Lord in that wardrobe, in that closet, where you can close the door and nobody knows what's going on there. Uh, there's so many times in our lives we've only had bad secrets. And God says, you need, you need to change that around. I want you to start having good secrets. I want you to have things that people, nobody finds out about, but if they did, they'd say, oh boy, that's really neat. Because what do we do? Oh, we tell everybody anything that'd be neat. We just hide behind here the things that we're embarrassed about. He says you need to switch that. The things that y- y- are shameful, if you don't tell, if you don't go ahead and get it out now and confess it, at least to God, he says, "I'm going to shout it from the rooftops." And he says, "The things that you like to put out in the in the in the in the show window," he says, "you should hide some of those things because if you hide it, I give you double points. I, I, I'll I'll reward you if you do it. in Some things in secret. I mean, we can't do everything in secret, but prayer is definitely something that we could do in secret. And and it mostly falls into these two categories. Now last time I did mislead you just a little bit and I want to correct that uh, misleading. And I said, well, if, if prayer does not change things, if God was just kidding when he says, call to me and I will answer thee and, great, and show thee great and mighty things, then prayer uh, is just uh, telling God we love him. And I said, well, that wouldn't take very long. Well, that, that, that wasn't true. That, in fact, that's what we're going to do for all eternity. So sorry about that. Uh, Most of us, frankly, if I said, I want you just to start right now praising God uh, out loud and the rest of us will just be quiet. You just go as long as you want. Uh, In fact, you just go until you run out. Most people would run out kind of quick. Five minutes? uh, Five minutes ends up being kind of long when you're doing something like that. Ten minutes? Who could go an hour? How long is eternity? I mean, we, we are like people who have our couch potatoes and we're about to run the marathon. Uh, we're not in shape for this. So anything that we can do to grow in praise will be good for us and will be pleasing to the Lord. And this area of praise is really so important for what it means to God and also for what it can accomplish in your own life. And as we said in the beginning, with as far as the relationship, this is what so strongly emphasizes that he loves me and I love him and we're just glad to be together. So we want to look into that a little bit more today and see if we can grow in that. I've got a picture here of the Areopagus in Athens where Paul gave that message in Acts chapter 17. And in Acts chapter 17, I've got the verse written out here. It says, Paul stood in the midst of this place in Greece and said, Men of Athens, I observe that you are very religious in all respects. For while I was passing through and examining your objects of worship, I also found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. What therefore you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. Now, he was talking to the Greeks, but I really feel like Paul probably could come into most churches these days and say almost the same thing. The God whom you are worshiping in ignorance, let me tell you some more about him. How big is God? How, how much could you talk about when, when, after you'd met the person that you'd fallen in love with maybe and you're married now, but after three months of dating, how much could you have told me about that person? You could have gone on and on and on. And we have somehow missed out on this with God many times. And it is so ironic that we worship an unknown God. Jesus said in John seventeen three, And this is eternal life. Can anyone finish that for me? That they may know thee the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou... Hast. This is eternal life. He says, this isn't just a part of it. Now, that's what originally attracted me to Christianity. I wasn't so hot on the idea of church. It was kind of boring, at least my brand of it was, for me as a teenager. But when the idea came up that not only was God there, but you could actually get to know him, I thought, well, that's sort of intriguing. wonder who that is, where, where he is. And that's what drew me to faith in Christ, was the whole idea, you could get, he's somebody you can get to know. Have you gotten to know him? Now we say, well, when did you meet the Lord? Oh, yes, I've known the Lord for, you know. But we can sometimes know about Him, but not necessarily know Him that well. Worshiping in ignorance. How ironic. And I've got this little quote here that I really like from A.W. Tozer. He says, God has set eternity in our hearts and we have chosen time instead. He is trying to interest, in, interest us in a glorious tomorrow and we are settling for an inglorious today. We are bogged down in local interests and have lost sight of eternal purposes. We improvise and muddle along hoping for heaven at last but showing no eagerness to get there. Correct in doctrine but weary of prayer and bored with God. Now he wrote that about 50 years ago but he could have wrote it two days ago, couldn't he? Hosea 6.3 So let us know let us press on to know the Lord. I once had this sort of the mental image of what, what is it? How big is this task of getting to know God? It must be pretty big because it's going to take us all of eternity. But I had this sort of image in my mind of a little child sitting next to the Atlantic Ocean with their bucket and their little uh, plastic shovel. You've been there. You've done it. You took your kids. Maybe you're taking your grandkids now. But there's that little child sitting there and he starts to fill up the bucket scooping up water out of the ocean. And then he pours it in a little pond and he does it again. That's what it's like getting to know God. Even after you've done that a million times for a million days, you, you pick up your eyes and you look out and the ocean looks like you hadn't even started. God is immense. He is the most fascinating person in the universe. How could we be bored with him? It's just that we haven't gotten to know him. That's all. So tonight we want to talk about uh, praise, but not in a me- mechanistic sort of a sense of well, this is just something we're supposed to do. So we'll go ahead and praise the Lord. We're, I think we're supposed to thank Him also, and then we can then then it's okay to tell Him what we want. Uh, <laughs> We, we should think of this more and more in terms of what we have already learned. See, God has made us in, in his image. And so there are a number of things that we've already observed just about how we're made. How we relate in a romantic relationship. How we relate parent to child, grandparent to grandchild, friend to friend. And God says, well, all the best of all of that. He says, that's what I want with you. That's what this is supposed to get to be like. And he says, it's going to take a while. It's okay. uh, He's not fussing at you. He's just kind of putting some salt in your mouth to make you thirsty for the best relationship you've ever had with anybody. And praise flows out of that. It's a fruit of this excitement about getting to know God more intimately. I was trying to think, what kind of a picture can I use for praise?" So uh, I took um, Walt out one time, when he was about two years old, to Burger King. And Walt was sitting there with his cardboard crown on, kind of crooked, face sort of smudged, a milk mustache on his mouth, mouth jam-packed full of chicken and pig. We, you know, we're just trying to make it more colorful. It's egg, eggs and bacon. <laughs> and, and, and at one point he looks up at me, you know, we're just kind of eating together, mouth full of food, and he, you know, he's chewing and he, he looks up at me and smiles. And he says, I love you, Dad. I mean, just out of the blue. Now, at that point, did I reach over and slap him and say, don't talk with food in your mouth? <laughs> I said, can't you get your crown on straight? What is this milk mustache? No, I about melted off the chair. I have remembered that for 17 years. Friends, do you think that God might be the same way with you? This gives us so much hope. We're not very good Christians. We never will be. That's what grace is about. But he says, don't stay far away just because of that. He says, you're just like Walt sitting there. You got your mouth stuffed, your crown's on crooked, you got a milk mustache, but just look up and tell me you love me. Daddy, I'll melt off my chair. You make my day. That's why you're that way with your kids. That is a reflection of how God is with us. I can't explain it, it makes no sense at all. But that is what God has revealed to us about himself and to think that I could give that God that much pleasure with something so simple it just blows me away and makes me excited to as they say in Acts 13:2, uh, it says and while they were ministering to the Lord this is the leaders of the church while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting the Holy Spirit said set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called and this is this was how missions got started but in what context did it get started? They just got together to pray, but not just to pray, they were ministering to the Lord. How could they possibly minister to the Lord? He has no needs. He, he doesn't have dirty feet to wash. He, he, he's not hungry. He doesn't need any help. Any help we give him usually sets him back a bit. You know, I mean not really, but you know, we're not that much of a help. They were ministering to the Lord. I love you, Father. I'm just I admire you I I'm distracted by you and we need to learn to minister to the Lord it is a blessing for us and it's a blessing for him even if we have to just take that by faith now the first two things I want to talk about as we grow in this practice of praise and these are all things you can do and you don't have to do any of them I'm just giving you some suggestions, things that at different points have helped me Uh, I'm not going to give you any kind of a formula or anything. Uh, The Bible says in in Romans 8, all those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And that's part of growing as a Christian, that you just believe that God is going to lead you. And so some days maybe you'll just have a time of reading your Bible, some days you may have a time just of praising, and some days you may just have a short time to make your requests known. It's okay, you know? (coughs) He loves you, but He wants you to progress because it's good for you and it's an, it honors Him and this is where the place where we'll change the world, part of it. So the first suggestion is just try to be quiet. That's a, that'd be an accomplishment for some of us. <laughs> uh, just stop and uh, just for a minute, don't, don't even read your Bible. Just sh- be quiet as all these different thoughts come up just put them down say no no I'm not gonna think about that now no later this I'm just gonna be quiet and just listen we're gonna do this in a minute we're just gonna do it for 60 seconds but I want you to see how powerful even 60 seconds of silence might be as an expression of praise there's a number of Psalms that talk about just being quiet before the Lord just uh, turn your attention away from all things all people all tasks that you're, you are unavailable. You've turned your cell phone off and you have stepped out of time and space because one day you will and the world somehow is going to go on anyway. And so practice it in that prayer time. Say, I- I'm gone. I'm out of here. I'm just with the Lord now. Even if it's one minute, it can make quite a, an impact on your heart and focusing your thoughts on God. Uh, second thing is maybe to use music. I talked about that before, but I used to be real cheap, as I think I've told you uh, about buying music, but it was more because it, if it was just for entertainment, I entertain myself, you know, uh, in other ways and play the guitar. But when I realized that uh, music could sort of form a wall around me and lift my heart up to God, I thought, well, that's that's good. Anything that helps me pray is of uh, is great interest to me these days. So... I found that if I would get some, uh, some music is a blessing to you and other music you hate and others is kind of in between, doesn't do anything for you. And unfortunately we can't all agree on which is which, but it keeps a lot of musicians uh, occupied and, and fed, so it's okay. But, uh, but that's, that's the nice thing about your own private time with the Lord. You're the music director, you can pick any kind of music you want. You want instrumental, you want classical, you want hymns, you want uh, more contemporary and either on, a, on, a, on headphones or on a little play or something like that but to find one tape you really like and play it again and again. Why? Because you're not really there to listen to music and after you've listened to it about 10 times it recedes into the background but you've created an environment that when you just put that on you're in prayer mode or praise mode or you know silence and and I have found that that gets me so quickly into the Lord to uh, find those different uh, tapes uh, and artists that really, really lead me to worship the Lord. Another thing might be to just have a hymnal and maybe hum yourself a hymn, Holy, Holy, Holy or Mighty Fortress is Our God or maybe just read those hymns or a poem. I'll, I'll close the time today reading you a poem but those are some different Possibilities. Now, we're going to take just a moment now, and I've got a, I've got a tape on, and I, I just took a chance that I'd find one that pretty much everybody sort of liked, and we're, uh, we're going to enter into the presence of the Lord now and just be quiet, and then this music will st- start to play, and all I want you to do is to tell yourself, shh, just, just any of your thoughts that come up, say, not now, I'm not thinking, I'm not doing anything, I'm just being quiet before the Lord, and then as the music starts, and it's just uh, like one or two times through, it's a very short chorus, we're not going to do much with it, but it's just to illustrate it. It's Jesus, draw me close. And so the first time through, just listen to the words. And again, just try to tell yourself, I'm, I'm, I'm focusing on just being quiet now. So don't bother me. I'm just being quiet. And then the second time through, uh, you can kind of, in your mind, or you know, just move your lips if it helps you, just kind of accompany the song if you'd like. Okay, and then we'll just turn it off. It's only about three three minutes, so let's uh, just be quiet now, and then I'll turn it on. Lord, help us right now to worship you with a moment of silence and uh, through this music. All right. Amen. Now, see, that took about three or four minutes. Don't you feel peaceful now? Don't go to sleep, but uh, <laughs> sometimes uh, just calming down. But in, the, but in the presence of the Lord, we're not talking about just being quiet. We're talking about worshiping the Lord through silence, through song. Let's move on to the next thing. In, uh, as far as practicing praise, have uh, try at uh, times to have as your main focus in having that prayer time, getting to know Him, admiring Him, learning to be distracted by Him. That's why I've got this little drawing. Uh, the teacher's trying to teach them something, and they're distracted by the bird on the windowsill. We're, you know, most people are distracted from God. They, they say, I'm trying to pray, but I get distracted. Have you ever been distracted by God? Where you, where you, I mean, it's just sort of a mental thing, but you maybe be reading your Bible and think, hey, I wonder if he's here. I had a friend, we were, we were meeting in a, in a house for a half-day in prayer one time, and this particular friend was pretty much cerebral. You know, he was in the Bible Society and just, just Bible study, you know, nothing out of the ordinary. But he was reading that passage in Matthew about the, 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 how the, the angels of the little children are before the Lord's face day and night. And he thought, I wonder if there are any angels in this house. And um, and the thought came to his mind, yes. Well, I mean, this is way out of his experience normally. And he thought, well, I wonder how many there are. And the number 12 came to his mind. And then he thought, well, I wonder how many of, of us are in the house. And he, and he named all the names of everybody, and there were 12 of us there. I was like, well, who knows. But uh, the idea that, you mean he's really there Sometimes when I'm having my time with the Lord, I just, I just sort of look around. I mean, the, the idea of a presence that he is actually right there. We're not sending him telegrams, emails. This is, he's, he's... He is here. That will change the way you pray. If your prayer doesn't take him into account, you're just kind of talking. Talking to yourself, talking to the walls. It's not going to be the same is if you can understand and see with your soul heavens he's right here it will make such a difference and I encourage you as you begin to ask this question more uh, lord who are you tell me more about yourself that you you take notes i did this for a year of, of meeting with the lord in the morning and sort of putting off the idea of, of doing much as far as asking requests and, and, and sort of put aside for a while doing things that were actually Bible study as such and would do that later on or at other times but, but that morning time in that year was just to sit before the Lord, me and my cup of coffee, my Bible and my notebook and ask the Lord who are you? I did that for about a year and I wrote down all the things that he led me to read in the scripture and thoughts that he gave me that maybe for others aren't profound, but it radically changed my life. This was uh, about 18 18 years ago. But these uh, notebooks are so precious, the thoughts that God gave me during that time where you just insist, you persevere before God, say, uh, bug him, say, tell me more about yourself, lead me, show me more about you and the scripture, Uh, help me to understand the things I already sort of know but I never never got the point of it. And I want to give you an example, I've written uh, an example out of my notebook. So you say well I wonder what he wrote you know I mean it's, you're gonna see it's not that profound but uh, it was meaningful to me and so I thought well I, I want to be specific I want to share something specific with him, so let me just read this to you and this is just a reflection God never has needs he doesn't need air water food or light he doesn't need companionship servants a house or band-aids he doesn't need books an exercise program a telephone or a Bible God is not troubled by temptation, gray hairs, forgetfulness, fatigue, or sunburn. He never needs encouragement or praise. He's never unsure. He never yawns or has a backache. He never stumbles or drops things accidentally. He doesn't need a bicycle, car, private jet, or space shuttle because he is already everywhere. He never needs an update or a newsletter for he is already in complete contact with every need in every place. He never has to ask a question because he already possesses all the answers since past eternity. He never needs a watch because he's in all times at the same time and therefore does not experience the passage of time. Now that's just a reflection. That's something that came out of asking the Lord the question, Who are you? Ask him to reveal himself to you. Turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 3, 18. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as from the Lord the Spirit." What a beautiful image of what we are doing, part of what we're doing when we're with the Lord. We are beholding the glory of the Lord. And you know when Moses had spent that time with God up on the mountain the Bible says his face shone. It makes a difference how much time you spend with God. A lot of times people can tell. They don't know what it is. Is it a perfume or or just you bought your face or what? But they they can tell. It makes a difference in your countenance even. Just getting that time with the Lord. And it is a transforming experience. Another thing you can do is to use uh, scripture. I know these things are obvious, but uh, it's nice to have a number of different things to try. Sort of a menu uh, when you say, "Well, it's time to praise the Lord," and then you sit there and, oh dear, what did he say? You know, what, 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 what was I supposed to do now? And so to have just a number of things that uh, any one of which would be would lead you into praise and give you some things to say. I mean, maybe you're not, you don't have a way with words, perhaps. Well, you've got a whole bunch of words in that book <laughs> that would be just fine. Uh, Psalm 46: God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Psalm 113, Praise the Lord. Praise ye servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, out of Zion the perfection of beauty God shines forth. It might be from some of the choruses you've sung. I mean, that's most of the uh, Scripture verses we have memorized as things we've sung. So you may just use uh, the words of a song or a hymn or the verses of Scripture uh, to praise Him. Another thing you can do is uh, learn, uh, meditate more about his attributes. Things about God. Now what I w- shared out of my notebook was one example of that. And uh, there are books written on that. You know, Some people are more book people like to read and stuff and others don't. So you may just want to think about it and others want to read about it. But I've got uh, one, one thought that I've had for years that has really, really ministered to me and I want to share it with you tonight. On the omniscience of God. That means not that he's a scientist but that he knows all things and a w pink in the book gleanings in the godhead said god knows everything everything possible everything actual all events all creatures of the past the present and the future he is perfectly acquainted with every detail in the life of every being in heaven in earth and in hell nothing escapes his notice Nothing can be hidden from him. Nothing is forgotten by him. His knowledge is perfect. He is never mistaken, never changes, never overlooks anything. Hebrews 4.13, And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare before the eyes of him with whom we have to do. I tell you, you say those things to the Lord in his presence and it'll do something for you. It It just... takes you away from all the other little things you're thinking about and focuses you on an aspect of the grandeur of God. And after you say it, you do it a number of times over the, over the years, you'll, you'll get to where you, can, you don't need to read it. it. It becomes part of your praise vocabulary. So to think more about his attributes, another thing you can do is to think about his names. Just write down a list of names. You know, you you kind of know them, but then when you're, we're not talking about doing a study. I mean, you may do some stuff to kind of get ready or have a, have a little piece of paper. And says, well, now these days, and for my praise, I just I just look up to the Lord and I and I just name His names because they're wonderful, or I talk about His attributes. So I, I'm we're just going to do this in this in prayer. We're gonna I'm going to go through His names and I'm going to go through some adjectives, just in the way that I pray it. So you'll sort of get a feel for a way that you might be able to do it and this is just so simple you can do this and it will minister to you so let's uh, bow our heads in prayer and Lord we take this moment to declare your glory and to praise your name you are Lord and Savior Alpha and Omega you are my high priest the living word the open door the resurrection and the life you are the Lion of Judah and the Prince of Peace the way the truth and the life you are the good shepherd the true vine You are the Lamb of God, the bread of life, the light of the world, the head of the church, the lily of the valley, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are majestic, perfect, immortal, eternal, invisible. You are merciful, immaculate, wise, good, holy, just. You are wrathful and all-knowing, abundant, refreshing, awesome, wonderful, industrious, immense, exciting, and tremendous. In Jesus' name, amen. Took no time at all. But these are wings to lift up your heart to God. And you could write another 50 adjectives on that list. That's not hard. But just to use it in prayer. What good is a tool if you don't use it? I used to have a toolbox and a beautiful craftsman tools. To, like, our house got broken into and they were all stolen. But I realized they were stolen. But the Lord allowed that in particular because they were, they were just as new as the day I got them. I'm just so unhandy. And there are things that we have that we could use in prayer that uh, they just stay there in the toolbox. So these are some ideas that maybe can help you. And uh, but we want to get them out of the toolbox. A couple of uh, other experiences that have marked my prayer life, my times with the Lord. And uh, when I was in college at Georgia Tech in uh, around 1975, I'd go out for an hour each evening. And I'd walk around, and I kind of had my, this little rule for myself that I wasn't allowed to make any requests or really even pray until I had gotten in contact with the Lord. I wasn't, I wasn't going out just to say prayers. I was going out to find God. And because of all the different things rattling around in your brain, that sometimes takes a while. So I, my, sometimes it took me 40 minutes walking around, trying to uh, find, just feel like I was really talking to him, and then I would pray. But it was a really precious year to have that time each evening. Uh, I have found that nothing works for me always. Now you may be one of these wonderful people that once you find a system and you get it and you do it till the day you die, and God bless you, it must be nice. I have to, I have to be creative. but uh, the different things have helped me. and I already shared with you about the time in Costa Rica with this little notebook, where I've got written on the outside of my, my notebook, to know the Lord." And I learned all sorts of things about his glory and his name and his ways. And then in 1989, I realized that most of my times with the Lord were about 90% Bible. That sort of comes with the background of being Presbyterian and being a navigator. And we just love to study the Bible, memorize the scripture. and It's wonderful. But I realized that for the first 18 years of my Christian life, I was real heavy on the Bible side and super light on the prayer side if you just looked at the whole thing. I'd maybe spend, you know, 95% of the time doing whatever I was doing with the Bible. i oh, almost out of time, pray a little bit. And I thought, this probably is not good. Uh, The Bible, frankly, talks a whole lot more about prayer than it does about Bible study. Now, I believe totally in Bible study. But uh, uh, if you study the Bible, you should come to the conclusion that prayer is not optional. And so I thought, well, how do I bend this thing back up? I've been walking like this, for all these years, leaning over on the, toward the Bible, and, uh, and I could say, well, I need to pray more, and I'll kind of straighten up a little bit, but I know I'll lean back and still be doing mostly the Bible. So, well. So why don't for a year I lean the other way, and I'll define my mornings, my mornings time with the Lord in the morning as just a prayer time. Now, other people kind of need to do the other thing. Maybe you only pray. You need to get in the Scripture. So uh, it depends on which way you, you're kind of bent. You need to, how, how, which way you need to go to straighten up. So for a year, I, I uh, prohibited myself reading my Bible, unless during my prayer time the Lord led me to. Now I know that's, kinda, that's not a very Presbyterian way of looking at things, but I had already done a whole lot with the Bible, so I felt like I could kind of take a year of remedial uh, prayer therapy, and I had the best year. That's what, that's what clicked it over for me, because I, I'm such a simple brain, I, I can't keep too many things going. And so, uh, you know, I come in thinking, okay, praise and petition, uh, or the, the Bible and prayer, well, I end up just doing the Bible. So I thought, well, well, i just do prayer for a while. And it was a tremendous, tremendous learning experience, just focusing on learning to pray and being with the Lord. All right, let's move on. I want to now share three helpful illustrations. Well, that's sort of prejudging it, isn't it? Uh, To me, helpful illustrations, because you always see things in pictures. You interpret the unknown through what you already know. You interpret the unfamiliar by the familiar. So I want to give you a couple of familiar illustrations for the unfamiliar area of talking to an invisible God, that you have never heard His voice and never touched His hand. The first one is... The idea that when you are in your prayer time, you are the closest you will ever get on, in this life to breathing heaven's air. I like to use the f- mental figure that when I'm out in the world, in other words, not in my time with the Lord, that the air spiritually is sort of polluted. It's kind of smoggy and foggy and <laughs> kind of gets you spiritually raspy, and uh, it's, it's just got a lot of toxins in there. But when you step into the presence of the Lord, it's, it's, it's like you, you're getting a, uh, an oxygen from heaven for that period of time. <sighs> can you imagine if you were in a very smoky, smoggy kind of a thing or you're coming out of a burning building where there's smoke everywhere and you finally get out to fresh air? What a relief. You wouldn't want to say, well, just, uh, and then I'll go back into the smoke. No, man, I just, all the time, I can't. <sighs> Breathe it in. Enjoy it. This is your life. Just like this guy swimming with the scuba gear. Uh... It's, it's your life, just that time with God, being in his presence. And I like to think about uh, that my time in prayer is the time where I am the most alive. Some people think, well, it's sort of taking a, 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 a tack off of your life, and there are other things that you do for fun, and, you know, to really live it up and stuff, and then you got to pray, because you'll feel bad if you don't pray. And... Uh, I like to think in terms of my time of prayer, and this is really living. I mean, the other stuff's okay, you know, eating and all the other kind of things you do, but, but uh, to be with the Lord, that is heaven. And that's, that's sort of training your mind. The devil doesn't like you to think that way. He wants you to be bored with the whole thing, so you won't do it. I mean, if you really got a taste for this thing, you'd enjoy it so much, you'd, you'd stuff a little bit of it here and a little bit there, you'd get all you could. Uh, second uh, illustration that I find helpful, as the idea of tanning. Now, some people, uh, tanning has fallen on hard times now with all well, they've discovered about uh, skin cancers and everything, but it didn't used to be. Twenty or thirty years ago, it was its own religion. And uh, I remember when Wendy was uh, pregnant with, was it Walt? Yeah, and she had to stay in bed a lot with Walt. But, um, but I remember she'd have her time each day where she'd take her little folding chair out and put it out to get some rays, sit out there, to, for She'd have her time, you know, 45 minutes where she'd go out to get that tan. Now all of you who have at one point sought that beautiful brown color on your skin, you, you know that you never will accomplish that once a day running outside for 15 seconds. <laughs> it just won't happen you will be just as white as you were before it takes time it takes exposure and you've got to go out there you go ahead and take your drink you take your book you got your stuff you know and, and you got to be there and the same thing if you want the Lord to impress his glory on your life this can't be just a little slipshod thing where you race in into his presence and say here I'm out here from my tan." town okay. uh, settle down Take your shoes off. Bring a cup of coffee. Find a good chair. Put on some music. Let's enjoy this. And I I promise you, I, I struggled very much my first 10 years of my Christian life with prayer. So this is not something that's always been easy for me. But these are the kind of things that have really turned it around for me and made it one of the most enjoyable things of my whole life getting tanned in his sunshine. How's your tan, your spiritual tan doing? And third, the idea of using praise as a powerful spiritual weapon. Now, we think in terms of petition maybe more as, as being, that's where we kind of load the gun, you know, and say, well, Lord, would you do this or that? But praise also, according to Scripture, there's that story about the, how the, the enemy is defeated in one battle and, and uh, God's people just went out singing and uh, banging the cymbals. And, and now, that wasn't the normal mode of, of warfare, but it, at that time, the Lord led them to do it and it was effective. But it also changes your idea of praise when you think, we're really making waves. I'm not just uh, just talking. And, and it's not as so if God needs this to feel good about himself that this, this, is, uh, this is where I enter into heaven's language. This is what's going on all the time in heaven. And I remember this uh, story of a, of in Argentina where a, a girl had ended up at, at the house of a family we knew, a family that was very involved with the, with the Lord and in prayer, ministry and stuff. And this girl just showed up at one of their prayer meetings one time and she was really bad off as far as uh, demon possession. I think she'd had made a pact with the devil or something. But it was really, it was beyond the normal situations. And she was in awful shape. And at one point, she was kind of out cold in the, on the floor in the kitchen. Maybe telling you more than you want to know. But anyway, and they were praying over a couple of them. And the rest were just still going on with the prayer meeting out in the living room. Now, uh some of these really extreme cases that happen in, in, in countries where there's a lot of witchcraft, stuff like that, one of the things that happens is they're ministering over a person who's got a, a, a demonic problem. And a lot of times, the, obviously, the demon is not very happy about where they are and what's going on. So they will, the person will get up without even realizing it and try to leave. Uh, later, when you ask them, well, do you remember any of that, they don't remember it. So anyway, at one point, this girl gets up and runs out of the kitchen to get away, and there's the open door, and there's the living room, and right at that point, one of them had just broken out and begun to praise the Lord, and this girl's running to get out of the kitchen, and hits like an invisible wall as she tries to go through that door, and falls back over on her back. Now, to me, that was always a really good picture of the power of praise. I mean, when you think about what, wow, you know, Hey, the thing is loaded. That's, that's, that's really neat. And there was one other story uh, that I heard about in uh, Micronesia of a missionary. Uh, I got it in a book by James Morocco telling about this missionary, Sam Sasser, who was at this in this island in Micronesia, and wanted to speak to this tribe. But they said, well, we don't just let anybody come in here. We, we want to see, you know, you're going to tell us about your God. Well, we, got, we have our gods, you know. So we, we want to show you this thing. And so these two girls come running into the middle of this circle of all the people. And the people all start chanting and clapping. And the girls are dancing in the middle. And then they begin to kind of levitate in the air until they're about 10 feet up in the air, dancing around in the air. And, he, and the chief looks over at Sam and he says, can your God do that? And he says, "Well, my God's so powerful; He can bring them down." <laughs> and he says, "Really?" And he says, "Well, show me." And so Sam just went over to the field next to the next to the uh, the village, and he just lifted up his hands and began singing and praising the Lord. These two girls plummeted to the ground like a rock. One of them hurt, got got hurt, and he prayed for them. But that opened the door to share the gospel with the tribe. But praise, friends, is powerful. It is powerful, just like complaining and being negative is is also powerful for negative things. Praising, learning to praise God is powerful. Well, we need to get moving here to our conclusion. But uh, I just hope that some of these things that we've talked about tonight will... Just a seed thought. We've touched on things very, very briefly, but there are times when God will take just one thought or just a couple of thoughts... And in four or five years, you'll still be thinking about it and adding to it, and that thing will have grown into something significant. I want to encourage you to draw near to the throne of grace. Don't be afraid. It's okay. This is something that God is doing in you. Hosea 6.3, So let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. And I want to just stop, uh, finish with this one little poem. It's my illustration of using a poem that I really like. called satisfied and just quiet your heart now as i read this and we'll close draw me to thee till far within thy rest in stillness of thy peace thy voice i hear forever quieted upon thy breast so loved so near for me O lord the world is all too small for i have seen thy face where thine eternal love irradiates all within the secret place And therefore from all others, from all else, draw thou my soul to thee. Yea, thou hast broken the enchanter's spells, and I am free. Now in the haven of untroubled rest I land at last, the hunger and the thirst and the weary quest forever past. There, Lord, to lose in bliss of thine embrace the rebellious will. There in the radiance of thy blessed face be hushed and still. There, speechless at thy pierced feet, see none and naught beside. And know but this, that Thou art sweet, and I am satisfied. Let's pray. Help us, Lord, to enter in to this wonderful privilege, telling you we love you, of learning to praise your name, of getting a tan in your presence as we draw near to you, and ask you to help us get to know you, and love you, and admire you, and be distracted by you and to live our lives for you. We love you, Daddy. Help us to love you better. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thanks for joining us on Bringing Truth to Life. If the message has encouraged you, please subscribe and give us a review. This helps more people find our podcast. We hope you'll join us again for the next podcast of Bringing Truth to Life.